Hello and welcome to episode 99 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing all right. Yeah, we picked the the wrong week to take a couple extra days between recording. Because we recorded, I guess our last podcast of 2020 was last Tuesday. And then we took like an extra four days to get back on schedule recording on Saturday. And so much has happened in the time since we last recorded. We've had Francisco Lindor moved from Cleveland to the New York Mets. We've had Stroman, um, the former Blue Jay, get in on some of this drama. We've had a Blue Jay offer to George Springer. We've had rumors about other teams trying to trade for Alejandro Kirk. We've had predictions from MLB.com, power rankings. All sorts of stuff have happened in the past week and a half since we last recorded, but let's start off with the biggest news of the week and a half. Um, Francisco Lindor moving from Cleveland to the New York Mets. This is a guy who the Blue Jays were obviously interested in, and we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Has a year left on his contract. Apparently, the Blue Jays made him made a big offer for him, a competitive offer, but um, Cleveland ended up deciding to go with the Mets offer for him. He's on the move to the Mets. A lot of people are frustrated because the Blue Jays in action this offseason. This just kind of compounds that feeling. First off, how do you guys think this impacts the Blue Jays and their approach to the offseason? Because for me, like I was never a big fan of acquiring Lindor in the first place, which we all know. And frankly, I'm not really upset about this news. I don't think it's that big a deal. Because I think the Blue Jays, honestly, I think it's a good thing for the Blue Jays. Because I think getting the Mets to sign Lindor or trade for Lindor, then probably, I assume, extend him. They're obviously out in the market from a guy like maybe DJ LeMahieu, who the Blue Jays are in, maybe DJ, uh, or excuse me, Colton Wong, who the Blue Jays are in on. So I think it opens up doors for the Blue Jays and takes the Mets out of the market on guys they're competitive for. And at the same time, it's kind of a relief for me because I didn't want them to get Lindor in the first place. So personally for me, I'm actually pretty happy with this deal in the fact that I think it actually helps the Blue Jays, but I don't know what you guys think. Honestly, I'm I'm with you on that. I I've said this pretty much all offseason that I really don't think the Blue Jays need Francisco Lindor. I mean, yes, there's the argument that he is a very good infielder right now and, you know, the Blue Jays could benefit from him, but I when you look at their depth chart, I think the infield is probably the last spot that I would really look to improve on. Uh, and it's just overall I'm not overly upset. I mean, th- uh, some people are kind of upset saying, you know, the Blue Jays were expecting to be very aggressive and then they were targeting this very good infielder or good player that they said they were going to look at and and they don't get him but honestly it's not that big of a deal to me I I didn't think the Blue Jays needed him and you know I think one of the biggest things is that the Blue Jays uh, one of the reasons why the why Cleveland didn't take the Blue Jays offer is because it uh, it contained more of a long-term solution for them with uh, primarily prospects whereas the uh, the Mets offered more of a a uh, immediate return for them which I mean to be fair we we don't really know who the Blue Jays offered but I, I overall I don't think that this was a huge thing that they should have done you know giving up say a lot of prospects for a good player obviously I think they would have signed him but still it's not that big of a deal to me I'd, I'd really I mean like I said I like Francisco Lindor but overall it's just he's not what the Blue Jays needed and like you said Mark you know if the if the New York Mets are focused on Lindor and trying to extend him and do other things. 
that does give the Blue Jays some uh, some leeway room to look into all these players that they the Mets were also looking into. You know, now they have kind of a a uh, position player that they've acquired that's going to take off take up a big amount of their time. And now the Blue Jays can say, okay, well we didn't get Lindor, but we can go look for LeMahieu or any other guy. So overall, it's just you know, it, if you were somebody that wanted Lindor, then you know I can kind of understand why this is kind of an upsetting report but overall it you, if you look at it from the perspective of the Blue Jays still have a good infield and I think they will have a better infield that in terms of the players that they have now they're what they're projected to do than what Lindor would do so it's just it's overall I think it is a it is I am happy that the Blue Jays didn't go and acquire him yeah there's there's a lot going on with this um we know yeah so Mark and Jacob you two were for sure against this we uh we've we've spent multiple times on this podcast discussing the pros and cons of this deal and of course I'll, I'll still admit it that i was one of the people who wanted this to happen or at least the jays to try and make this happen and um it did happen but not for the jays it would happen for the mets and the mets ended up uh sending infielders andre jimenez or jimenez sorry if i pronounced that wrong and ahmed rosario right-hander josh wolf and an outfielder uh, named Isaiah Green. So my first initial reaction when I thought about this, and knowing the Blue Jays' farm system of how strong it is, there was no question in my mind that the Jays could have given a, a given a better offer to them. And um, from that reason, I just it was very hard to kind of understand what happened, I guess, with the Blue Jays' front. But then the report came out yesterday, uh, revealing that the Jays were actually the runners up for Lindor. And the problem with the Jays' offer compared to what uh, the New York Mets offered was just the Jays' offer was more um, centered around long-term prospects, while the Mets' offer was more balanced between short-term and long-term. So when you think about that, I guess it came down to preference from um, the Cleveland, uh, from Cleveland. And from that reason, that is why they went with the Mets' offer. So the other thing is, you knew that the Jays would kick tires at this and potentially make an offer. There's the connection with Ross Atkins. There's the connection with Mark Shapiro. And it looks like they did. And when it comes to it, uh, who knows what the offer was. We still don't know who was involved in it. But this may go down for, I guess, the benefit of the doubt. Or this might be a better outcome for the Jays. As we all know, the biggest problem with this trade was his contract. And it came up with the potential of only having him for one year, especially if you're going to give up a massive part of your farm system, which was the risk. And when it looks like, when you come at it from the Mets standpoint, it just, it, it almost feels more, it, it just feels easier that the Mets are going to make the, get this done inside Lindor, that they have more money on the table to do this. And for a Jay standpoint, it just you know we we know the history of the free agency. We know how hard it is to attract free agents, to extend free agents, and for those reasons alone, Mark and Jacob, that's obviously why you two are against this idea. It wasn't about the actual trade; it came with the long-term effects of this, uh, the potential of only having him for a one-year rental and losing him, and who knows who you give up in the deal. Lourdes Gurriel was thrown around, and I'm sure other pieces were thrown around. Alejandro Kirk was mentioned a few times. And if you give up these players for only one year of Francisco Lindor, and in that year, let's say you don't win anything, that's just obviously a massive loss and probably a huge mistake that you made. And it would take years or take a few years to rebuild that farm system. And that also just delays you and gives you a step back as an organization as you prepare to compete again. So that's also what I look at it from. But the problem I have with this, it's not about the Jays not getting him because at least they tried to get him, which is fine. And you knew that they there was some sort of offer on the table. You knew they were going to be interested. But the problem I have is just for some reason, and Mark, I'm sure you got the exact same thing as well as you, Jacob, with your pages. It just, 
the fans, I'm surprised of how many fans actually wanted this to happen. Um, when I'm looking through my comments, I see multiple people saying how the front office, well, first of all, everyone's against the front office again. So it went from against originally to signing Ryu and saying we're trusting the process. And now we're back to the narrative that this front office does nothing. So the problem with that is I just, it's weird how people are already writing off the off season when multiple people are making are still making the point that these free agents are still available. And Francisco Lindor was not a free agent. He was a trade piece and he was somebody who was under contract for 2021, which is even more weird because nobody has signed still. And everyone is still in the same position other than, I guess, teams like the Padres and the Mets, because those are the only two teams now who have made moves. The Padres, we we spoke about all the moves they made um, the past couple of weeks. They got you Darvish, they got Blake Snell, and the Mets have now gotten Francisco Lindor, they've gotten James McCann. Those are the only two teams that have made moves when you look at it at the end. And people who are saying that uh, this, I guess, ruins everything and the front office is doomed, the offseason was a complete failure, nothing has changed from the free agents in terms of George Springer, DJ LeMahieu, Colton Wong, Jake Odorizzi, all these names are still available. And the Jays are still in are still in the same playing field as everybody else when it comes to that. And there's still optimism for multiple people. Mark, you posted about Ken Rosenthal, of the optimism and the you know what he's even hearing, that the Jays are still going to pull away with one of these top free agents if they're that motivated to do it. And I just have a problem with fans already writing off the offseason. I just don't believe they understand exactly what's going on um clearly the jays had enough to give up for or to get francisco lindor they didn't uh they didn't get the well the mets didn't take their offer and you're stuck with potentially wanting to sign him for one year and knowing francisco lindor and just knowing the market here you just feel like with our luck in this market the history he was going to go to free agency regardless and test out the market but him going to the Mets completely changes it. It's a complete different scenario. I think that there's a chance that he can sign long-term there and avoid free agency, but that's just different, and you can't compare the two ownerships with Steve Cohen, who's a billionaire who makes, I believe it's around $14 billion or something like that, and compared to Rogers' ownership, it's just a different scenario. But when you look at it, um, Francisco Lindor is going to the Mets. The Mets have a lot of money to spend, and who knows what happens with them in the George Springer sweepstakes, if that maybe takes them away from George Springer a bit because now they have to pay Francisco Lindor. And this could be better. This could be good news for the Jays. And this could be the domino effect that they needed to get things going, to make one move going. Because right now, from what we've been hearing, it's it's going to be the Blue Jays or the Mets who are going down for um, George Springer. So if you take the Mets, or I guess the Mets now focusing on paying Francisco Lindor, this is the perfect opportunity for the Blue Jays to come in and, and steal George Springer. Maybe up an offer a little bit. Uh, we know the asking price is around $150 million, but this is the perfect time for them. And for fans who are already writing off the offseason, um, I, I hate to say it, but you're absolutely crazy for thinking that this offseason is a failure with these players still on the market. Uh, no pun intended. It's just it's it's a fact that everyone is still unsigned and they still have a chance to get these names. And we'll see what happens over the next course of a few weeks. But I've got a feeling that this trade may have been what the Jays needed and for other teams to start getting things going now on the free agent front. Yeah, like you said, I, I, I'm I trying to find the clip now. I can't track it down, but there was a clip of the Mets GM, I think his name is Jared Porter, um, talking about what their approach now after they've gotten Lindor, how they're going to be trying to improve the team from here. And the way he made it sound when he was talking about center fielders is that they're not going to 
pursue a big-name center fielder. And I think the big names on the market right now are George Springer, JBJ. That might be it. Um, He said they're not going to pursue someone like that. He said it'd be fine if they didn't get someone who's playing every day, right? If they didn't get a a starter, if they got, you know, kind of a, a, a bench bat or something like that. So he was making it sound like the Mets are no longer in the market for someone like George Springer. And if the Mets are no longer in the market for someone like George Springer, that pretty much leaves just the Blue Jays. We knew, we knew that the Blue Jays and uh, the Mets were the two finalists. So, yeah, I see this as a good thing because I think Francisco Lindor was not the guy to target. And by the Mets taking him off the market, it just makes the Blue Jays a more viable option for all these other guys. And even if, you know, we're trying to connect the dots with, you know, conspiracy theories about George Springer, we can know flat outright that the the Mets are no longer interested in DJ LeMahieu. Like, that's obvious. Now they have an infielder. They've added a top-tier infielder. They no longer need DJ LeMahieu. So that makes the Blue Jays one of the only suitors left for him, of course, along with the Yankees. We've heard the Dodgers are interested in LeMahieu, but overall, I think this is an overwhelming positive thing for the Blue Jays. I think if I had to pinpoint the only really negative thing, in my opinion, from this deal, it's at the, the the Carlos Carrasco part of the deal. The fact that, you know, Cleveland also sent Carrasco to the Mets. And of course, if you look at that deal, it would be awesome for the Blue Jays to get a player, not only of Francisco Lindor's qual- quality and caliber, but also a player like Carlos Carrasco. Because obviously they need help on the infield, in the outfield, and pitching. So getting Carrasco would fill that need, getting um, Lindor would fill that need. So that's a one part that's kind of like, eh, I wish the Blue Jays could have, you know, pulled the trigger. Not that they didn't pull the trigger because they made a very aggressive offer, but I wish that they had made maybe just a hair better than the Mets and gotten it. But even then, it's like, it. I, I'm at peace with it because A, you miss out on Lindor, who I thought was more of a burden than a asset, and you keep the flexibility open to really choose who you want in the free agent market, whether it's Garrett Richards, whether it's um, Jake Odorizzi, you know, you have the the space and the, the contract space and space on the roster to go out and get who you want instead of it being tied to a deal. And honestly, so that's the one negative, but I, I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, also, I think one thing that is interesting is the fact that Francisco Lindor does only have you know, such a short amount of time that he would probably be with the Blue Jays before he had to sign an extension or, you know, anything. Because one of the things that, you know, we've all said is if the Blue Jays are to acquire Francisco Lindor, they have to sign him to an extension because if you lose him after a year, then is that worth it? And I don't think it is. So if they were to trade for him uh, a couple days ago, if he was on the roster, I think that right now would be the time that you have to sign him to an extension or some type of deal because the last thing you want is to to trade for him now wait till the end of the season and then you're you're basically stuck trying to acquire him again you know I think right now Blue Jays would have to basically spend most of their time on Francisco Lindor so even like you said Mark this deal probably would have been more of a burden you know maybe it's a blessing in disguise you know the Blue Jays obviously could benefit from Francisco Lindor but is it really worth it to sign him or to trade for him you know, potentially focus on signing him now or wait till next offseason because who knows what happens next offseason. You know, there could be a lot of different things going on. So it's just overall, it just the Blue Jays, maybe, like I said, maybe this is a, a bit of a good thing happening for them not getting him. Yeah, and there's lots of pros and cons that come with this deal. And I'm, I'll go, I'll say it again. I was one of the 
I was the only person out of all three of us who wanted this to happen or were in favor of this to happen. But the one thing that makes me at peace with it as well, Mark, is yeah, I think that's a perfect word to put it, is that there's still names available. Not everyone is gone off the market. And if that's a different situation, let's say George Springer goes to the Mets. Let's just say they go wherever. DJ LeMahieu goes back to New York and the Jays miss out on Lindor. Then you're scrambling. And the problem is you still can't even guarantee that the Jays come away with all these names because um, there's a chance that they don't. And then that's a different conversation that we'd have to save for another day. But when it comes to it right now, the offseason is far from over. These names, these guys are still available. And I just, I have a hard time coming to terms with people writing off the offseason already just because for these reasons alone. And it is a good thing because the Mets now have to pay Francisco Lindor. And if they if they still are that interested in George Springer, those are two guys where you're going to have to pay millions and millions of dollars. George Springer's asking for $150 million alone. You know Francisco Lindor is going to be getting paid pretty much a lot more than that. So those are two big names that you have to put on your payroll right now. And for the Mets, you don't know if that makes sense or not if you get this one player. So that's why it's a good thing. And like I or what we've been hearing is it's going to be going down to the Blue Jays or the Mets. I'm sure there's still the possibility of a dark horse team coming into play. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case, but that leaves the Blue Jays still on top of the list as you know the Jays have been potential suitors and people who who have been interested in Springer since the beginning of the offseason. And I just it gives them time to figure things out um in terms of I guess what he wants if in his uh his term and his salary. But you know, Francisco Lindor came with the burden, and he still is coming with the burden. The Mets have to sign him, but uh, it sounds like he will likely sign an extension, but there's still lots of time for that to play out. But for a Jay situation, it would have gone a little bit differently. And for people who are... I just don't want people to get up mad, too, if the Mets end up signing him long-term, because they, people need to realize that it would have been a different outcome with the Jays or a different process. I'm not saying he would have left in free agency, but just knowing the way the market is and the history of this market, he would have tested free agency. That would have given a massive risk to the Blue Jays. The, the Jays would have had to prioritize on re-signing him rather than upgrading other pieces on the team. And there's like, and pretty much what I'm trying to say is there's just lots of lots of questions that come with him. But we know the player he is. We, no one's denying how good he is because he is um, a generational player. He He's legit. And he's come close to winning a World Series, but that's the problem. The, the contract, unfortunately, was the biggest problem here. But it does sound like the Jays gave an offer. And, you know, if, if that's the case, if they didn't, if the Mets went the route of taking more of a, or giving up more short-term, balancing short-term and long-term, uh, then the Jays were, I'm glad the Jays stuck to their, uh, just stuck to their plan and didn't adjust things and get that desperate for, for, for Francisco Lindor, knowing that these players are still on the market in terms of George Springer, DJ LeMahieu, Colton Wong, Jake Odorizzi, and many others who they've shown interested in, or interest in, and also Liam Hendricks, who's visited the Jays facility, has been seen in Florida. So I'm glad that they're able to balance things out and focus on priorities in terms of the free agent market uh, as we head into, or we're in 2021 now. So spring training is only about a month away now from pitches and catchers report, a, li- a little bit over a month away. Mm-hmm. And I guess we can, we're, we're already talking about him. So we might as well bring in the, the news of George Springer uh, or the Blue Jays offering George Springer a deal that's reportedly five years, about $115 million. Um, when you compare that to what we know about the Mets offer, which was apparently just short of $150 million, um, I like th- this is another thing to make me happy that they got Francisco Lindor. Because obviously, if you're 
let's assume, let's just say the Mets are $145 million and the Blue Jays are 115 You know, that's a big difference. And obviously Springer's going to take the 145 deal instead of the 115 So I don't think if this deal doesn't happen, I don't think the Blue Jays really have a chance of signing George Springer. But I have to imagine now that that deal for Springer is off the table. And I tracked down the remarks from um, the Mets GM, um, Jared Porter, who said, center field is an area we're going to focus on, but I don't think it has to come in the form of a guy who's going to be out there for 150 games. So again, that sounds like to me that they are out on George Springer. At least they're going to be a lot less aggressive than they have been on Springer. And to me, that that makes it virtually guaranteed unless a, you know, a dark horse team comes in that the Blue Jays are a very likely contenders for Springer or they sign him. So I think this is fantastic news um, for the Blue Jays. But what do you guys make of the news that the Blue Jays have offered George Springer $115 million over five years? Because we know he's asking for a lot of money. We know he's asking for 150 plus. Some people have even said 175 million. So obviously the Blue Jays are lowballing him a little bit here. Do you think this is just kind of a first offer in a lot of stages and negotiations? Or do you think they really just don't want to spend the money on this guy? I think it's exactly what you said there, Mark. It's, I think it's just straight up they're negotiating with him and uh, that's probably what's going to end up happening. Like you, you said the Mets pretty much are not going to be overly uh, aggressive with George Springer. I think they're still going to make some type of offer, but I highly doubt it's going to be a we-need-to-sign-this-guy type of situation. Uh, but what the Blue Jays are offering, like you said, $115 million, that's about $23 million per season over five years. So if I'm George Springer, you know, I'm definitely going to negotiate that. I mean, any you know, any normal person would. But overall, I think that's probably not what he'll sign for. I, I predict it'll probably be around the 130 mark at the highest. Honestly, maybe 120, 130, something like that. But I do think 115 million is a is a little bit low from George Springer's perspective. I, I, the Blue Jays would like that because you're getting a great player for relatively uh, low amount of money, but. Overall, I think this is just, it's a long negotiation process and it's going to end up being, you know, I want this much. I want, you know, we're only willing to pay you this much or maybe something like uh, back in, I think it was 2016. If you remember Edwin Encarnacion wanted, I think it was a hundred million dollars, but the Blue Jays only offered him 80 million. However, they offered him, I think it was a player option for the next year for an extra 20 million. So he would have gotten the hundred million anyways, if they uh, chose to to uh, go forward with, with that player option. So that, that'll probably, uh, or that could be something that the Blue Jays do. Maybe they want to get a little bit creative and say, you know, we're not going to give you $150 million over five years, but come for a sixth year, sixth year or, you know, something like that, and we, we can fit it into your, into your payroll over that time. Or, like I said, you know, maybe they, I think they will go up in their price or if they are to sign him, but I do predict the Blue Jays will sign him, but I think it will be for a little bit more money. Uh, just because you know Francisco, not Francisco, or George Springer is, like I said, he's a he's he's not dumb. He knows that he wants money. He knows what he's worth. So he's gonna say, "Well, I want this amount of money," and the Blue Jays will say, "Okay, we'll you know probably meet in the middle." Because I do think 150 million is a little bit too much just for George Springer. Also, we got to realize that you know the Blue Jays right now have the money, given that most of their key players are on rookie contracts or they're under team control, so they're not being paid a ton right now. But in a couple of years' time they will be uh, paid a lot and who knows, you know, maybe George Springer only stays for five years, but if you choose to 
you know, say re-sign him or whatever the Blue Jays choose in five years' time, they'll have a lot of, or they'll have a lot less money in five years' time, just given the fact that everybody will start to come off their contracts and, you know, they'll start to demand more money as well. So it's just, I think this is just a bit of a, or this, this is just normal negotiation that I think is kind of going public. You know, I mean, this happens all the time in pretty much all the sports that I watch, you know, teams offer this much and then players say, I want this much. And then they, they somewhere or they meet somewhere. So it's, it's probably just going to end up being like this until the Blue Jays or Francisco. I don't know if cave in is the right word, but somebody will say, okay, fine. We'll, we'll settle for this amount. Uh, I do think it will happen soon though. I think like you said, Bryson pitchers and catchers report, obviously that doesn't involve George Springer, but spring training and, you know, preparations for the season is going to start soon. And, if you're George Springer, if you're going to sign with the Blue Jays, are they going to play in Canada? I don't know. So there, there's a lot of things that he's going to have to figure out on a personal level. So the last thing he'd want is to say, okay, we have two weeks to you know move here or you know do something like that. So I think it's just it's just negotiations. They're going to meet. They're going to discuss some type of contract. Like I said, I do think it'll probably be around 120 to 130 million. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think it is. It is interesting that the Mets have basically said, you know, we're not looking for a star player. So I think that does mean the Blue Jays will get him, given that, you know, they're probably like, unless, like you said, Bryson, with a dark horse type situation, you know, someone says, okay, well, actually, we'll give you this much money. It'll probably just be the Blue Jays signing him, which I think is a good thing. But also, I think it would be interesting to see what they do with their current outfielders, because as we know, uh, Randall Gritchick, I think he will it's pretty obvious he'd be the one that is gone. I don't think uh, Teoscar Hernandez or Lourdes Gurriel Jr. are going to be anything other than everyday players. So it would be interesting to see how they figure that out. You know, did they trade him or is he just the fourth outfielder? I don't know, but that, like I said, definitely, definitely it's going to be a situation where George Springer says, okay, you know what? I want this much money. And the Blue Jays say, okay, fine. And then they, you know, they settle. And, but like I said, I think it will be a, fifth, a five-year deal over, around the 120 130 mark yeah there's there's a lot to take away from this and going back to i guess how mark introduced the topic of where it, it doesn't seem like george springer is something that the the mets are necessarily wanting as much as they did at first at first but when you when you feel like or the player that you think of now over george springer for the mets if they're talking about it like this it sounds more like a jackie bradley jr type of role rather than a George Springer role if he is you know someone who's going to be cheaper someone who doesn't necessarily have to play every day and he just seems like a potential better fit than George Springer but when it, there's a lot to take away from here and it's it's classic negotiation 101 um, George Springer has an ha- a high asking price of course the Jays are going to go under that mark and you know I'm not certain that this thing will be settled before spring, spring training there's been you know especially over the past couple of years the MLB offseason has for some reason gotten slower and slower. And I wouldn't be surprised one bit if this dragged into camp at all. Um, we've seen players like this who have gotten, pay, gotten paid drag into um, spring training. Bryce Harper signed really late. Um, I think J.D. Martinez, when he first came over to the Red Sox, also signed pretty late. I think he signed almost a week into spring training. So these players are starting to sign now closer to camp. But um, I'm not saying that's going to happen with George Springer. He can easily sign beforehand. But when it comes down to it, one side is going to get more desperate than the other. If this thing drags closer to spring training, will the Jays get desperate enough to match that 150 that George Springer's talking about? 
or will George Springer get desperate that he will he won't get paid that much and he's gonna have no choice but to settle for a smaller uh, salary. So when when you look at it from those two uh, different types of views, it's almost inevitable that they're gonna meet in the middle somewhere. It's gonna be a, probably a little bit under 150. I'd be very surprised if he actually hit 150. And lots of people are pretty much against this as well from what I've been seeing on my page. Uh, I guess there's some people who think it's worth it, but most of the uh, things I've seen have George Springer not worth $150 million whatsoever. So it does seem a bit rich. It's a little bit of a stretch for me as well, but I'm not going to say, you know, he's 100% completely not worth $150 million because he is a high uh, caliber player. And he would make this team a lot better in terms of what we have right now in the the outfield. He'd come in and play. Um, he'd be the everyday center fielder, and that potentially leads to other moves. Jacob, you're at you were pretty much talking about other names that could potentially be gone. You were talking about Lourdes Gurriel, Randall Grichik, and you know the what the outfield would look like if George uh, look like if George Springer came here. So lots of possibilities, but I wouldn't be surprised one bit if this thing dragged on a little bit longer than expected. Uh, he's, you know, especially if the Mets didn't offer him $150 million, that's telling you something because they have the most money to spend. Um, and if George Springer is asking for 150 and the Jays went well under that, it just, it feels like they're going to meet in the middle somewhere. Two sides or one of the two sides will get more desperate and it, it'll either be George Springer who wants to make sure he plays and he's going to have no choice but to take the under or the Jays are that desperate to sign George Springer and then they offer him more or closer to 150 million as I guess the spring comes closer, or even if we're in spring training when this happens, you can't write anything off the table just because of the uncertainty with the MLB offseason. But uh, it's just it's interesting to think about the offer that they have. But especially that clip says it alone, Mark. Unless um, the Mets GM is pretty much playing a decoy on everybody saying that, and then they're still going to go after George Springer. I guess you can't rule that out. But if he's saying that he doesn't necessarily need somebody who's going to play every day or someone that expensive. You know, just an, an easy alternative when you think of it is somebody like Jackie Bradley Jr., who would make sense for that team now, uh, who would be a lot cheaper for the Mets payroll. And that leaves an, the door to open up a little more for the Blue Jays to come in. And you ha- you can't write off a potential dark horse team that you might have to come compete with to outbid or, you know, just, I guess, win over George Springer um, to sign him. So it, there's it's getting interesting now. And I just... I would not be surprised if this Francisco Lindor deal opened up the doors and started what the Jays needed them to do in order to get him and to start kick the tire to start to kick the tires on this because it's it's going to get interesting towards the end and we still haven't even be, we haven't even spoken about DJ LeMahieu in a few weeks and he's another one who is pretty much from what we know so far he's ways away with the Yankees as well as they can't seem to agree on it we've touched we touched on it a little bit the last podcast but that's somebody you also have to look into there's Colton Wong Mark you've mentioned him a few times and of course they're gonna it feels like the Jays are by no question they're gonna add a starter as well before the start of the season that that might come a little bit later which would be expected like you uh, we've we've mentioned names that are available and and Jake Goderizzi I guess is one of the top names that are available right now so that's another thing that to expect to see as the offseason comes to a close is that the Jays will add another starter at some point and right now it feels like they're prioritizing on George Springer they're doing everything they can and hopefully he comes we all want him to be here um the salary seems a little bit high from what he's asking but I think they'll meet in the middle at some point and it's going to be down to who gets more desperate for him or if the Jays get more desperate closer to when the spring starts I also think that you know, maybe the Blue Jays' offer of $115 million was originally kind of a low-ball offer, but I don't think it is now. Now that the market has changed, 
I think Springer is going to be a lot cheaper than he would would have been because Francisco Lindor maybe takes the Mets out of the equation. And even if the Mets are still in the equation, they're going to be less willing to spend money because they're spending money on Francisco Lindor, perhaps with an extension. They've already gotten out. They've paid a little in terms of prospects with him. I think they're going to be less aggressive as well which obviously bodes well for the Blue Jays, bodes well for both teams having to spend less. So I think that's a good thing. And and while you're rattling off infielders, I mean, DJ LeMayu, Colton Wong, Chris Bryant is a name that's been bouncing around on baseball Twitter. He's increasingly likely to be traded. Apparently, the Mets and the Cubs were talking about a trade for him, but apparently they haven't discussed a trade over the past few weeks. It seems like talks have kind of broken down. So maybe that's a name we should be on the lookout for the Blue Jays. Um... Who knows? I think it's a bit unlikely, but, you know, at the rate that guys are being traded this season for very little, if you look at you, Darvish, Blake Snell, um, obviously Francisco Lindor, maybe that's something that the Blue Jays want to entertain. But, yeah, it's definitely, I think this is something that's, in my opinion, I I, I think it's, oh, obviously, Francisco Lindor deal is a good thing for the Blue Jays, but the, the Blue Jays offer $115 million. I think it's low but is getting closer to what Springer will eventually sign for because now his market isn't as robust. Um, so let's move on to our next topic. Marcus Stroman um, lashed out this week on Twitter. Of course, we know his Twitter habits are adventurous, no matter what way you look at it. But um, this week he had some choice words for the Blue Jays after the Mets acquired Francisco Lindor. He tweeted in response to a Blue Jay fan saying, that front office will never build the team they should around their unbelievable core young players. It's a travesty. Um, I have very strong thoughts about this, but I'll let you guys go first. Honestly, I it's over the last what is it six months? There have just been so many instances of Strowman just going off on Twitter, and it's, I don't know why. It's just this is just one of those situations where you look at it and you just kind of shake your head and laugh a little bit because. Marcus Stroman has absolutely no idea what the Blue Jays are doing right now. They are they probably have not spoken to him in years maybe. You know, right now they're focused on building a team and I just I I oh my gosh, it's just it's really I'm I'm at a loss for words. It's just I don't know where these comments are coming from. I think they're really just a random burst of his opinion that nobody really asked for. I just a whole bunch of just nonsense, really, in my opinion. And I think it's a lot of it is untrue. I mean, the Blue Jays, to this point, have not really made any moves in the offseason. However, the offseason is not over, and obviously their tenure with the Blue Jays is not over. So you can't say that, well, the Blue Jays didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't trade for Francisco Lindor. They haven't signed George Springer yet. They haven't, they haven't done something yet, even though they still have a long time before, you know, I think it's fair to say, like like we've said there, I think March Pyro is still with the team for the next five, six years. And obviously, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago where the Blue Jays, they have, we kind of expect their, uh, this current core to stay with them maybe for the majority of the 2020s. So it's not like one half of an offseason or even one offseason determines that the front office is not willing to do anything. So it's just... It's confusing, and, and like I, uh, one of the things I said, this is just completely untrue. You look at last year, they signed Hengen Ryu. He was their ace, so I don't know how they haven't built a, 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 among their core. You know, they've clearly drafted well. They've 
they've developed well. Obviously, they have a, a very good core right now, and I think this year, coming into 2020, and even or 2021, and even further, I think I've said this before, but I predict that this team will potentially be a new dynasty uh, among the league. So it's just. I don't know where Strowman's getting this from. Obviously, yes, they have, like I said, the Blue Jays haven't really made any moves to date as of uh, this offseason, but I, I don't know where Strowman's getting this from. It's just, it's just one of those things where he just, he goes on Twitter and he says something, you know, it's easy to type your opinion uh, behind a keyboard and just say, well, you know what? I don't like the Blue Jays, so I'm going to, I'm just going to say that they, they're, they're not a good front, they don't have a good front office, but he can, you know, he can have that opinion. I think the front office has been very good. Uh, I think I, the thing is, is I don't think that they're being as uh, aggressive and impulsive as that as Strowman is kind of thinking that they should have been. And when I say impulsive, I mean obviously they said they wanted to sign a lot of uh, star players, and I mean literally speaking, they said that, but they haven't done anything yet. You know, they're taking their time. They're saying, well, you know what. Francisco Lindor is a good player, but do we absolutely need him, and do we want to deal with potentially re-signing him or doing anything? You know, they're they're carefully they're making calculated moves, and I think that's the the thing. I think a lot of fans also are kind of a little frustrated. We talked about this earlier. You know, they're saying, "Well, how come you haven't made any moves?" Just relax, guys. The Blue Jays know what they're doing. They've obviously Mark Shapiro and Ross or Mark Shapiro in Cleveland obviously built a World Series contender. They were very good for a while. So it's not like they don't know what they're doing. So I just, Strowman, no disrespect, but nobody asked. Like, I, I don't know where, I, I don't know why just the Blue Jays are all of a sudden a terrible, uh, terribly managed team just because they haven't gone and signed every single free agent on the market or done a million trades this offseason. I think the Blue Jays, they have what they need. Obviously, there's things that the team can improve upon, but just to say, this is a ter- this is a travesty. This is a terrible front office because they haven't made you know a ton of moves this offseason. It's just it's it's I don't agree with it at all. And I just sometimes I wish people would just not share those types of opinions. Mar- Marcus Stroman is mad for two reasons. Number one is that the Jays didn't pay him. Number two is that he was traded to the wrong New York team because we all know that he wants to be a Yankee. And um, I just I go back to the I guess the day he was traded where or one of the final days. In Toronto, when he was, I guess here is that day after the game. I, you guys remember this, where he apparently he freaked out in the clubhouse or something like that, and he was like throwing things around. But uh, Mark Marcus Stroman, you know, I was a big fan of Marcus Stroman when he was here, and I, I still think he's a solid pitcher. But you know, I'm just getting the vibe with him now. I'm just I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit fed up with him. Um, he's been gone now for over a year. He opted out last year. He didn't even play one inning of baseball, and he still is bitter towards the front office. Which I guess makes sense if you know a team traded you to a place where you didn't want to go and a team didn't pay you what you wanted. Because let's let's be realistic here. He was in love with the city of Toronto, and I'm sure he would have stayed here if the Jays paid him, but they didn't, and that would make sense for why he's bitter. But yeah, I just I don't pay too much attention to it anymore. I'm not surprised that he's still kind of taking low low ball shots at the Jays, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just. You know, he's been gone for a couple of years now, and we got Anthony Kay from the Mets, and there's also Simeon Woods-Richardson, too, who's supposed to be a very solid pitcher, hopefully we see in the next couple of years. So, um, you know, I'm pretty excited with those two, and Anthony Kay had a good season last year out of the bullpen, but 
Uh, Marcus Stroman, you know, he's not going to change. He won't. He won't change with Twitter. Uh, he, you know, the one thing about him that I'll give him credit to is he's never been afraid to, I guess, say what he truly thinks on Twitter. He's been. I guess this is. I guess the second incident in a matter of months he's had with like I guess something affiliated with the Blue Jays, the Grichik incident. We we know what happened there. Um, and yeah, that wasn't a very good exchange. I won't repeat ex- everything that was said because we we did speak about it. But that that was one thing, and then the other thing was, of course, the shots at the front office. And even when he was traded to begin with, there was also shots at the front office. So you know, whatever. It's just Marcus Stroman can take all the shots he wants. Um, he's on a good team in, in New York, and uh, he had to go back this year on a one year deal because, of course, he did opt out in twenty twenty. But you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best of luck. But I just, I don't really pay too much attention anymore. I, I, I don't really have any reaction. It's like a slap on the wrist, just because we know who he is. We know how he's always kind of acted like this on social media. So, you know, that's just the way he is. And um, yeah, not not much of a reaction. But I'm not surprised as well that he um, he's still taking shots at the front office. And the one thing I can guarantee is it won't be the last either. I'm sure there'll be a lot more down the road that he says. Yeah, he's he's a joke. He's a clown. <laughs> A baby. I don't know. All those words are what I'm feeling right now. Like, he's, yeah, he hasn't played on the Blue Jays for almost two years. And he has the gall to come out and say the Blue Jays are a travesty and doing nothing to build around their base. Well, first off, the Blue Jays traded you because you were toxic in the clubhouse. Like, we've heard that, like you mentioned, the Randall Grishik thing, that started because people were saying that Marcus Stroman kicked minor leaguers, like 30 minor leaguers or something, out of a training room so he could train in there by himself. And we got confirmation of that happening from a minor leaguer who is now retired from baseball who was in the room when it happened. Like... He, he's just toxic. He's a problem. And I think, I mean, we've seen a lot in the past few days of people on Twitter. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, having repercussions for what they've tweeted. Um, and Marcus Stroman is just, he's a problem. Like, that's my opinion. He's, I don't understand what made him come out and say this. Like, the Blue Jays traded you because you were a problem. You were toxic in the clubhouse. And they're doing just fine without you. We have one of the biggest and best young bases in all of baseball and we're also being very aggressive this offseason maybe we haven't made all the deals but listen we've missed out on what three guys you know Hasyong Kim we missed out on Francisco Lindor we missed out on and then we missed out on Sugano who by the way went back to Japan didn't even sign with a single MLB team and then you look at all the other guys that the Blue Jays have been interested in and they haven't missed out on I mean we've been talking about it all podcasts but DJ LeMahieu, JT Realmuto, Trevor Bauer, George Springer, Liam Hendricks, Brad Hand, um, Justin Turner, uh, Gene Segura is the guy they were connected to once, Colton Wong, JBJ, Mike Fears, uh, Marcelo Zuna, um, Garrett Richards It's just the list goes on and on of all these guys who are still on the market that the Blue Jays have been connected to. It makes no sense to say they've done nothing and they're doing nothing to build up their base of young players. It's just a baseless claim that I I would call it a lie. It's not true. And at the same time, like, you have no, even if it was true, don't, don't be making these claims. Like it, yeah, it, it, it makes me so mad. And he, He's just mad at the Blue Jays because he got traded to the wrong team. It's a joke, and yeah, I, 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 like you said, Bryson, I was a fan of him when he was on the Blue Jays, but seeing what he's, I, I don't know if he's kind of become this new toxic brand on Twitter or if he's always been this way, and I just 
looked the other way because he was a Blue Jay. Um, I don't know, but yeah, he's really annoying me. I think honestly, that was the same thing with me. You know, I remember, I think I want to say it was 2017, the uh, the Tim Anderson incident where I think Stroman struck him out and he was screaming his head off. You know, he was so happy that he he got he got out of the inning, and then Tim Anderson started uh, he started getting angry at him, and I think there was some Twitter beef between the two of them, but. I kind of sided with Stroman just because he was a Blue Jay, and I think now that he isn't a Blue Jay, the bias towards the stuff that he says just has kind of gone away, but I don't know. One of the things that I've always found interesting is Stroman always makes so many claims and comments about how good he is and how nobody's willing to to uh, basically build a team around him. The Blue Jays didn't pay him. They didn't trade him to the right team. Look, buddy, like ha- half of your seasons, your ERA was above four, so or very high threes, so chill. And I'm not saying that you can't speak just because of, you know, your stats, but at, at the same time, don't don't trash a team just because they didn't do exactly what you wanted. And like you said, Bryson, he's on a good team. I think the Mets will be very good this year, and the, the Mets owner clearly cares about the team. They, they, they want them to be a good team. So I, I don't know why just because you're not wearing a black and white that it's automatically a, a terrible situation for you. And I could go on and on and make a few claims that maybe would be untrue and just opinion based, but it's just overall Strowman just, just please stop. It's just, I, it's just I, like like we've all said, these claims are just completely untrue, and we can bring up instances of where this ownership has actually built a good, uh, made a good acquisitions to this good core. So it's just a bunch of baseless claims, honestly. Yeah, I'll, I'll just end it off that you know the one thing I'll always give Marcus Strowman credit for is how motivated he is to succeed. You know, we the HDMH, height doesn't measure heart. He's, he's, he's motivated. And I'll, I'll, we'll end it on, a, I guess, a somewhat positive note with him. But I, I truly wish nothing but the best to him. I just, I just it's it's unnecessary, like, to put it the, at the least, to call out the front office again after you've been gone for a couple of years now. Um, just focus on 2021. Focus on getting your value so you can get paid. Because you are, I guess he is due to get paid, I guess, next offseason. So. And you have someone in Francisco Lindor, a team who's serious contenders. That should be all you want right now. And that should be all that you need to go win a, or try and win a pennant. So best of luck to him. But just unnecessary. Just I, unnecessary. That's all, that's all I'll leave it at. Yeah, and I'm all for, like, like making baseball entertaining. Like, these are... It, in all honesty, these are the type of guys we need for baseball to become a more popular sport. Like the Trevor Bowers, the Marcus Stroman's, like they're controversial, but they make headlines, right? They make it exciting. We talk about marketing the players. Like I, I'm pretty sure all most baseball fans probably know Marcus Stroman's name just because of the fact that he's so outspoken on Twitter. He's so aggressively honest, I guess is the way to put it. But I still don't think this is beneficial. I don't think this is helping anyone by making the the conversation about this negative, you know, travesty, Blue Jays not doing anything. Like, I'm all for let the kids play. I'm all for bat flips, you know, screaming on the mound. Liam Hendricks is a guy we see. He's always pumped up on the mound. When he leaves the mound, he's screaming. Jason Grilly, another guy who played for the Blue Jays. I am all for that excitement. And I think it's great. I think it's the only way to grow the sport. But I don't think you grow the sport by trashing other teams on Twitter. I don't think that's a way to do it. And, yeah, that's all I'll say on it. 
All right, so another thing that happened this week in the plethora of topics we have to talk about today is MLB.com released their predictions for 2021, and they called them bold predictions, but they are very, very bold predictions. They had the Blue Jays actually as very high favorites for a lot of these things. They predicted, A, the Blue Jays are going to win the AL East and the American League pennant, meaning they're going to the World Series in 2021, if we're to believe MLB.com. They also predicted Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be the American League MVP, which I think might be the most outlandish prediction of theirs. And then lastly, they predicted that Charlie Montoyo will be the American League Manager of the Year. They also projected the Blue Jays as ninth in um, their power rankings this month, which I think that's something I actually agree with. You know, maybe they're not ninth in terms of talent, but if we're to believe what they're saying, they're aggressive enough to go out and become ninth um, in the power rankings if all goes well, all goes as planned this offseason. But the predictions of them winning the AL East, winning the AL pennant, Vladdy being MVP, Montoyo being manager of the year, I I don't agree with any of that. Like, I'm an optimist, I'm a Blue Jay fan, but I think all of that is too ambitious. Well, I'm going to be honest, I think winning the East is probably their most, when I say East, I mean the AL East, I think that's probably their most accurate prediction just because of, I mean, when I look at the standings, you know, we've talked about this. Are the Blue Jays going to be better than the Rays next year? Could happen. I think, you know, that's probably the biggest competition. I mean, the, the Yankees are still going to be decent. You know, they were, both them and the Blue Jays made the playoffs. And last year, actually, there was only one game uh, difference between the two of them with the, the Yankees having one extra win. But that's probably the, the most accurate prediction. I'd, I mean, ninth in the league really depends. I mean, any normal year, that means they make the playoffs. But even this year, with uh, in 2021, I think the instead of having a, what was it, 16-team playoffs this year, they're looking at maybe 14 or 12, but any something less than 16. So ninth best means that, you know, they make the playoffs. I mean, do I think ninth is accurate? I don't know. It really depends on how how big of a leap the Blue Jays take this year. So yeah, as for the two players that were kind of called out in terms of Charlie Montoyo and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think it's interesting with Montoyo because it seems as if so many aspects or so many people within the media, whether it's uh, manager of the year voting last year, this year, their predictions. Uh, Buck Martinez has said that he predicted a ton of votes would go Charlie's way. I think, you know, maybe there are a lot of things that maybe we are a little too, I don't know if too critical is the right word, but you know, maybe, maybe I'm the one that has it wrong. Maybe he is a lot better of a manager than I think, but watching, watching him every day, it's just, there are, he, he's not a terrible manager. I think the players do really like him, but I think there are a lot of ways that he could improve. Uh, as for Vladdy, MVP seems a little bit far-fetched. I think he, you know, he, he's a good player. He's been putting in a ton of work in the offseason. I don't think we can discredit that. You know, he seems as if every couple of days there's a new story post or a new Instagram post of him you know, running or lifting weights or something. But in order to be the MVP, you know, you need to you you need to take a massive leap forward, which he could do. I think he, he is a very good player, has a very high ceiling. Obviously, he was projected to be very good even in his rookie days with the number one prospect in baseball before he came up. But it's just, I I don't know. It's they're called bold predictions for a reason. You know, I don't think that necessarily accuracy is the 
the the goal of the of this these predictions you know they're probably trying to exaggerate a little bit here but i think a lot of people see the blue jays as being very good and we've seen it too but i i think it's i don't think it's fair to just say that they're going to automatically be like the best team in baseball uh especially coming from the prediction of winning the al pennant which means you know obviously going to the world series i think I would love to see that. I mean, I'm a Blue Jays fan. I, I don't think that I would ever not want that to happen. But realistically, like you said, Mark, you know, as, as optimistic as you want to be, there's only so much optimism before you realize that they're probably not going to the World Series, uh, at least this year. I think maybe in a couple of years, maybe even next year, that will happen. But overall, it's just, they're bold predictions. They're meant to be discussed and talked about. And like I said, maybe they're not the most accurate, but it's interesting. I think it's funny to see. Not funny, but it's 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 uh, it's a bit of an eye opener to see how how well the league likes this Blue Jays team, and maybe you know just to see all the media coverage and it's, it is it is exciting. But I think overall, it's just a lot of it is probably not as accurate as uh, MLB is project, projecting it to be. Oh, they're bold, and uh, they weren't kidding. Uh, <laughs> they were not kidding when I saw this. Um, I believe Mark, you sent it. Or to our group chat for I believe that's how I saw it first, and when I saw it, I did not think it was real or from MLB or anything like that. I was yeah, my, I was shocked. And when I looked at this, but let I'll just start off with the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. one. Um, he hasn't lived up to his potential. We know that in the in his two years now that he's played. I just want him to slowly get better before we go even near an MVP conversation. Like where he is now to an with all due respect, where he is now to an MVP, it's just. That's a pretty long distance, and we like that's like saying it as like nice as possible. Um, he lost his job at third base. He had to move over to first base. He just finished uh, winter league, and I think he made about he made a few errors. I know that, and pretty much what uh, we've been we've been seeing on Twitter, it doesn't look very likely that he's going to get third base back in the spring, based off of how he finished in the winter league. I guess you can't rule it out, but he's he's got a lot to work on before he. Uh, gets anywhere close to, I guess, that elite slash MVP caliber type of player. He, you know, his numbers haven't exactly been through the roof. They've been they've been decent. They've been about major league average, but it's nowhere close to what we think his ceiling is from what we know of. You know, his OPS hasn't been the highest. His batting average isn't the highest. You know, sometimes he struggles to, I guess, lift the ball up. He hits a lot of ground balls. There's a lot to work on, and I'm not I'm not saying he'll never get to that point, but... I think I do think he will he will get better. I just I think we're a few years away from anywhere close to an MVP type of player, and it's all with all due respect because the the amount of hype and attention that he's brought to this team, um, you can't you can't deny that and you can't take that away from him. You know the Blue Jays are starting to be taken seriously on social media, uh, being ninth in the power rankings. That's you know that 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 one I can somewhat I guess accept and see I guess possible. But I just like how the Jays are getting attention. I think Jacob, you mentioned that, so that's the one thing. I'm liking about this. People are finally recognizing the young pieces that this team has. And when you look at Charlie Montoyo, um, you know, first of all, the only thing I think of Charlie Montoyo now is Mark, because I know how <laughs> critical you've been with with Charlie Montoyo and um, just some of the type. Some sometimes when I guess we talked, well, when we did during the games of you know some of his decision making and the amount of times we've spoken about his decision making on this podcast. So that's that's the one thing. And then the other thing I do remember is that you know I guess he is respected around the game. He is, and you know I'm sure every player on the team loves Charlie Montoyo. He's well respected around the game. We saw that John Heyman tweet also last September saying how 
he should be manager of the year. And he almost won manager of the year. He was a finalist for it. So he does get recognition from around the league. Um, a lot of Jays fans kind of came in to that, I guess, tweet thread and kind of said otherwise and said, you know, I'm a Jays fan, so-and-so, but he does not deserve manager of the year. Just some of the decisions he's made. But, you know, he's only been a manager for two seasons now, technically. And I guess I like where we are with Charlie Montoya. I think his contract's up next year. He has a club option for 2022. So that, that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I wouldn't be I would be shocked if he went elsewhere. But I, I don't mind Charlie Montoya. He's really he's a really nice guy. I actually got to meet him at uh, when the Jays were in New York in 2019. That was actually the last baseball game I went to. So uh, yeah, all love there with Charlie Montoya. And then of course the AL East. Uh, that that is just completely. Uh, unrealistic from my point of view. Uh, both of you guys, we spoke about the Rays potentially taking a step back, but who knows if the Jays are going to be able to match them. That's still a question mark. And of course, in 162 games, you just feel like that AL East is going to go to the Yankees. Um, and I don't. I think you'd be crazy to think otherwise for that reason alone. But, you know, we can't forget who the Yankees are. And in a full season, it's just the Yankees are traditionally slow starters as well. People like Giancarlo Stanton starts off slow. Uh, Aaron Judge starts off slow. And they're one of those teams that have to get going closer to the summer months. So, you know, we're familiar with that. And that's why I think the AL East is going to go back to the Yankees. But, you know, for the Jays, I just, I guess you can't rule it out. But, you know, there's a there's still a good chance that the Rays will be better. And for the Blue Jays for the next couple of years, they're going to be serious wildcard contenders. And with the expanded playoff format looking to stay, Regardless if it goes to 14 or 16 teams, the Jays are going to be a wild card contender now, probably from here for the next few years at least. And that's a good thing. So, you know, the Jays are taking a step forward. There's many steps to take forward, but a lot of these predictions are very far fetched. And I think we are, for, and going just to cap it off, the Vladimir Guerrero Jr., we are, we're still years away from that. And, you know, just for what I mentioned off the top, he's got, he's he needs a lot of things to, I guess, improve on before we get to that elite type slash AL MVP caliber type of player. But, um, the one thing I do like is how, how bold it was and the love that this team is getting across baseball, but yeah, they were, they weren't kidding bold and you can capitalize all, all four letters for that one. It, it was bold. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. I think the most likely of these, and let me be clear, you know, I, I criticize a lot of what Charlie Montoyo does, but I think overall, like he still deserves his job. Like he is yeah, a good yeah. manager. The Blue Jays shouldn't fire him. But he does make some dumb decisions from from time to time. But I think overall, like the most likely of these predictions is that Montoya will win manager of the year. Because he's already been on the brink of it with a team that, you know, got swept in the postseason. So I think if if the Blue Jays put up a better season, granted it won't be through the same difficulties they had in 2020 with all the injuries, with not knowing where they're playing, you know, with getting kicked out of Canada. But I think if they put up a solid season, there's a good chance he's manager of the year. Vladdy, no chance MVP. Like, love the guy. He, I'm sorry, I don't see it happening. I do think he'll be a lot better in 2021. I'm very optimistic about what he's going to be capable of, um, especially given how much he's been working this offseason. But I think MVP is a bit of a stretch. And then Blue Jays winning the AL East, it's possible. I would put it, you know, if we were playing the game we played last week, I'd put it at possible, but I don't think it's likely or certain by any stretch of the imagination. I think f- taking the step further and saying the Blue Jays are going to make the World Series. And, you know, the the author who wrote this, I think it was Anthony Castrovince, I want to say, from MLB.com, he left the door open to the Blue Jays winning the World Series. He didn't predict w- which 
of the two teams. I think he said the Padres from the National League were going to make the World Series. He didn't say which of the two teams were going to win it. So he left the door open to the Blue Jays winning the World Series in 2021. I think that's a big step too far. I love the Blue Jays. Obviously, I'd be over the moon if that happened, but I don't think they're at that point in their development. You know, maybe next year we see that happen. I think that's entirely possible, but this year I think the first step is making it past the first round of the postseason, then we can talk about that. Um, But yeah, these are, I think the most valuable thing that we get from these predictions, I think Jacob mentioned this, is just the way the league sees the Blue Jays. It shows that people are taking the Blue Jays seriously and people see the talent that the Blue Jays have, the level of aggressiveness this offseason that they aim to have, and they're taking it seriously. People are treating the Blue Jays as a true contender, and I think that's the most valuable thing we can take from these predictions and from this offseason in general. The Blue Jays have arrived on the the, the league-wide stage, and hopefully we, we do see them succeed over the next few years. But um, I do just want to mention before we sign off, uh, last week we talked a lot about Haseon Kim. Um, we criticized the Blue Jays because originally it was reported that he, um, he was asking for a a clause that he couldn't be sent down to the minors. Uh, It had been originally reported that the Blue Jays refused to give him that, even though they had given that to a guy like um, Shuni Yamaguchi last year in his deal. Um, It turns out we got further reporting that that wasn't accurate. The Blue Jays did offer um, the no minor league clause in the contract, but um, that the Padres offer for him was just a little bit better. So just wanted to correct that after we kind of railed on the Blue Jays last week about that. But um, other things to mention, Blue Jays are interested in Liam Hendricks, which we, of course, knew, but Hendricks has now um, visited the Blue Jays training complex in Dunedin, which kind of raises the stakes. It, it makes us a little bit more serious and just a general interested in rumor. And, of course, the Blue Jays and Hendricks have a strong history. Um, Hendricks with the Blue Jays when they were competing in 2015, so he knows what town this what kind of baseball town Toronto can be. Um, So that obviously bodes well for the Blue Jays. Another guy, A.J. Cole, re-signed with the Blue Jays after they non-tendered him him in uh, early December. So that's another good thing for Toronto. So just those last two pieces, we don't really have time to discuss them, but um, thought it would be good to mention. So thank you to everyone who's tuned in to this episode of Section 138. So much to talk and discuss about, and hopefully as things heat up, we have some... Uh, another jam-packed episode next week perhaps an emergency podcast as things really get going but thank you again for listening as always you can follow us on twitter and instagram at section 138 pod um you can rate and review our podcast on apple Podcasts. always just helps the word spread the word about what we're doing here so thanks for listening we'll catch you next week